Open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. The title of my message, People Just Before Pastor Preaches, I've Got to Say Something. Oh. I'm not going to sit here and not say something. But what I want to say is this Wednesday is his birthday, and we're celebrating his 75th birthday this week. That's quite a milestone. And we want you to join us Wednesday night following the service up in the Family Life Center for a great oh, celebration wow. as we celebrate <laughs> Pastor Wiggins' 75th birthday. So join us Wednesday night. Yeah. Amen. And it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, we went through the surgery well. We appreciate all your prayers. I can tell you this. You always want to have a clean conscience. The anesthesiologist and the surgeon told me that when they put me under, I was just talking. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and uh, I was telling them all about what I had to preach and messages. And so you want to you have a clean conscience. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, thank you, Pastor Gary. Everybody give him a big hug after church. Amen. Will you stand for the reading of God's word? <clears throat> My sermon is entitled, People Sent by God. And I'll be reading from Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 15. Actually, Zacharias was a priest. He was an aged man. His wife was old. And he had been told by God, by God's angel, that they were going to have a baby and that his name would be John. He would be a forerunner of Christ, a preparer of the way. And that's where this passage comes from in verse 15 of chapter one. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. You may be seated. A people prepared for the Lord. God has chosen to ordain and plan the life of every person under the sound of my voice. Even to those listening by television or radio or wherever today, God has ordained that we be a people prepared for the Lord. God ordained Adam and chose him to begin the human race. God called Abraham to establish a nation through which he would provide a savior to save the human race. God called David and chose him and ordained him to establish a family and a tribe through which the Messiah would come, who would be that savior to redeem lost mankind. Indeed, we are a people prepared for the Lord. Rick Warren, a Southern Baptist preacher, wrote the book, the Purpose Driven Life, 
and also the purpose-driven church. In his book, The Purpose-Driven Life, which we went through during the 40 days of purpose, he drives home the truth. God created us for a purpose. Each and every one of us were created for a purpose. And it is incumbent upon us to learn what that purpose is and allow God to help us fulfill his purpose for our life. That book has more scripture references in it, I believe, than any other book on my bookshelf other than the Bible itself. Well, it is true that some of the references are in other translations which some people have a problem with. But I submit to you, if you took every scripture reference in the purpose-driven life and read it from the King James Version, you would still come to the same conclusion that God created you for a purpose. And so rather than getting uptight about that part of it, let's come to understand that God has designed that in this day and hour, he wanted to remind the human race that we are here for a purpose and he wants us to get us on track. We must be purpose-driven and be a people prepared for the Lord. The Bible tells us that John the Baptist was a man sent from God. It's recorded in John chapter 1 and verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Never forget it. He was a man. He was not an angel. He was not a divine person. He did not have deity. He was not the Messiah. He was not the Christ. He was a man called John, sent from God. We need to always keep in mind that God's representatives here on earth are human beings. They have a propensity to failure. They may have shortcomings. We may see in them things that we don't even like. We may not like their, the way they dress. Probably if John the Baptist showed up in here today, he would be an oddball in his coat of camel's hair and his strange diet of locust and wild honey would not be at Denny's restaurant or Sam St. John's or anywhere else. And so we would consider him a strange person. We might even be offended by him. But it was a man sent from God. We may not understand how important it is to have our commission and have our mandate and to know God's purpose. But I believe God arranged for this service this morning and you're in this room so that we will be reminded that we are a people prepared for the Lord. You're part of the mandate that we be in the image of Christ, God's representative to this lost and dying world. John was sent to bear witness of the light. He was not that light. He was sent to bear witness of the light. That light was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. His birth was arranged by God. He didn't just accidentally appear on the scene. God planned to bring him into this world. Your being here today is not an accident. The fact that your parents gave birth to you and you are a living person today, you have to say God had something to do with it. You would never have survived. You would have been a part of the statistics. You would have been aborted or you would have died at birth or something in some kind of accident or disease or sickness would have taken you out a long time ago. But in the mercy of God, 
He has allowed you to live and you are here today because God has a purpose for your life and he wants you alive and he wants you to be a person prepared for the Lord. John's birth was not an accident. The Bible tells us there was in the days of Herod a certain priest named Zacharias and his wife was Elizabeth. There was in the days of Herod. These were bad days. This was a time of plight and danger and bad news for the nation of Israel. But in spite of Herod and in spite of the Roman Empire and the puppet king, God arranged in the days of Herod that John the Baptist be born. God understands the turmoil of our day and time. He understands the liberal society in which we live. He knows about the politics. He knows about the compromise. And he understands that there is a need for a man to be sent from God. And there's a need for people to be created and designed in their life for the glory of God. There was in the days of Herod a wicked king, a Roman uh, puppet king, days of Roman imperialism, when the people of God were under oppression, the days of subjugation to the Roman Empire, little hope for better days, taxation, unrealistic laws, persecution beyond measure. But in the days of Herod, there was a man named Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth, and God said, you're going to have a baby. She was a barren woman, but she was chosen to be a mother. They both were well stricken in age according to his own testimony. Some of you feel it's impossible for me to ever make it because I'm too old. I can't go back and change the record of my life. I've messed up big time and I can never serve God. They're senior citizens under the sound of my voice who feel like that the days of divine purpose for your life are over. But in the days when Zacharias and Elizabeth were well stricken in years, God said, I need you. I want you to be an instrument to bring forth the man of God that will be sent to be a preparer of the way, a person that needs to go before the Messiah to prepare the way for his ministry. You are here in this room today as a senior citizen to understand that God needs you to show Jesus to the world. God needs your life, your testimony, your personal experiences to tell people it's better to follow Jesus than it is to follow the world. It's better to serve Jesus than it is to serve the devil. God needs you young people today. God needs the children today to dedicate their life to the Lord. We were singing earlier, I'm surrendering to your kingdom. I surrender to you, my king. And that's exactly what we need to do in this room today. Young and old, teenagers, young adults, single people, divorced people, married couples, homes and families. We all need to be surrendered to Jesus so that we can be a, a people chosen for the Lord. Some of you, your health is broken. You feel like, I can't really work any longer for the glory of God. I can't do visitation. I can't even drive any longer. 
the telephone is used for other purposes, let it be used for the glory of God. I received a birthday card from a, one of the senior citizens, and I happen to know that she is, this is a minister that she has. She sends greetings through the mail to people to encourage them on special occasions. If there's a death in the family, if there's a sickness, or even a birthday as it was on this occasion. Some of you have a criminal record. You think, with my record, no one would ever listen to me. You know, Paul had a record. He was a released from prison. Peter broke out of prison. You know, if that was some of the modern day evangelists, they'd get them a striped suit and advertise in the newspaper. They were a converted prisoner, a jailbird, and they'd make big to-do about that. Well, I realize you don't want that on your resume any longer. You want to forget those days. But in spite of having a criminal record, God can erase the past as far as he's concerned and make a new day for you, a, a day of opportunity, a day of real witness for Christ. Some of you never graduated from college. You don't have a degree except from the school of hard knocks. And some of you have never even graduated from high school. I'm telling you, God can help you as he has helped many entrepreneurs, many businessmen, many ministers of the gospel, in spite of the fact they've never had a formal education, they were self-educated and self-taught. And they dug their heels in and said, I'm going to learn what it's all about. And they became very studious. It's time for you to quit being a playboy or a playgirl in the good sense of the word, not the bad sense. <laughs> quit wasting your life having a good time frolicking. You have so many hobbies, you don't have time to read the Bible. You don't have time to read good books. You watch so much television, you're not a reader. You don't even think about playing a musical instrument. Maybe you have a talent that you could be singing in the choir. Or you could play an instrument, you know a little bit about it. And with a few lessons in the school of music, you could really be a blessing. And I want to encourage you to let God use your life and be a person of significance for the glory of God. Many in, under the sound of my voice are divorced. And in the television audience, in the radio audience, the dark shadow of divorce has crossed your path. And you feel like it's over. I can never serve the Lord. No one will listen to me. I can't hold a position in the church. That is not true. I believe that divorced people need to be accepted as human beings, saved people, just like people who have a criminal record, just like people who did other bad things in their life. They've been forgiven, washed in the blood, and let's give them a place in the church where they can be prominent, where they can feel needed and feel wanted and feel esteemed and blessed. Just imagine the conditions of the birth of John the Baptist. Zacharias was visited by an angel. And Jesus spoke of John the Baptist. But here we have recorded for us about the birth of, his, of this man of God, this man who was called by Jesus more than a prophet. And the angel came and said, Zacharias, I've heard your prayers. God has heard your prayers. Now, Zacharias, an elderly man, well stricken in years, and his wife also, here he is praying for a son. Hmm. May not be too late. 
Brother Pettibone, you and I might can still pray that prayer. <laughs> Zacharias prayed for a son. The angel said, God has heard your prayers. Elizabeth is going to have a son. You shall call his name John. I can imagine Zacharias coming to the tent and he pulls back the flaps and he says, Elizabeth! He says, Elizabeth! <laughs> Elizabeth! We're going to have a baby! Yeah? We're going to have a baby! Hallelujah! <laughs> and shouting time in the tent in the desert. <laughs> God said of this man, he's going to be a person prepared for the Lord. Jesus said, a prophet, more than a prophet. What did you go out for to see in the wilderness? A reed shaken by the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment, Behold, they that wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see, a prophet? Yea, I say unto you, more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Born in the days of Herod, when there's little hope. Born to parents, well stricken in years, where hope had only been a prayer. I'm telling you, God knows the difficulties in your life. And if you will pray the prayer and say, God, I want to be a person of significance. I don't want to yield to the failures of the past. I want to overcome the divorce. I want to overcome the criminal record, I want to overcome the drugs, I want to overcome the, the, the alcoholic beverages that have been part of my past. I want to give up the habits that have been a source of bondage in my life and become a person prepared for the Lord. Today is going to be a turning point for many. Young people, today you're going to set your course. God is going to direct your lives. And there will be a change that you will look back to in the month of August in the year 2005 when the Holy Spirit arrested your heart and helped you to surrender your ways to the King of kings and Lord of lords. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. That was not the same as the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but there are many fillings in one baptism. Moses is another man who was chosen by God. Oh, thank God, his parents were captives in the realm of Egypt under Pharaoh. They were slaves, probably made bricks, gathering straw and slime and clay and putting them in the kiln and making bricks. And here among the slaves, God chooses a couple and they bring into this world a little baby named Moses. He's a goodly child, a beautiful child. Pharaoh is killing the children. He sees the kingdom of Israel flourishing and the Jews are multiplying. So he decides to kill especially the boy babies. And so all of the Egyptian uh, was to help destroy these babies. Moses' mother placed him in a little ark made out of bulrushes 
daubed with slime and pitch and put him in the flags on the river's brink where Pharaoh's daughter would come along and probably heard the whimpering of the baby in the basket. She had it brought to her and when the basket was open, she saw this beautiful child and she saw in it something that God put a love in her heart for. She said, I want this baby to be my son and I want to raise him in the palace. And Moses was brought home. His sister volunteered to find one of the Israeli women to be his nurse. Happened to be his mother. Just happened to be. Thank God for happenstance that is divine providence. There are a lot of things are happening in your life that the puzzle is being put together because God's in control. The first 40 years of Moses' life was spent in the palace education, learning the culture, learning the language, trained to be a prince. They were training him to be somebody, training to him to be a person of prominence in the Egyptian empire. Well, one day he felt his oats and he walked out and found his fellow Jews uh, being oppressed by one of the Egyptians. So he up and kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. The next day he finds two of his own brethren striving together and he tries to settle the feud between them and they said, you gonna kill us like you did that Egyptian? He knew the word was out. Pharaoh had a death warrant out on him. The Egyptians would now kill him. And so he fled for his life to the backside of the desert in Midian where he met Jethro, finally married his daughter and kept Jethro's flocks on the backside of the desert. His first 40 years were spent in the palace trying to be somebody. The second 40 years were spent on the backside of the desert as a nobody, a servant, watching sheep. No one knew where he was. He was hid out because there was a death warrant out on him. And so 40 years he's disciplined on the backside of the desert. One day he sees as he's near the Mount Horeb a bush on fire. And in this bush, he sees something strange. This bush is not being consumed and, and the fire is raging. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and called him by name, Moses, Moses. Now, if you read that record, it says God called to him out of the bush. So God appeared to him as an angel. And the angel that he saw was one resemblance of God. He did not see the full glory of God. He couldn't stand that and live. But nevertheless, God called him, Moses, Moses. Twice he called his name and commissioned him to go back to the palace, go into Pharaoh's court and tell him, let my people go. Now then, the man who has a death warrant on his life, who spent the, 40 years, the first 40 years trying to be somebody, now the second 40 years as a nobody, a servant, out in the wilderness watching sheep, he's commissioned to go back into Pharaoh's palace and tell him to let the people of God go. You know, of course, the story. I don't need to rehearse that for you. But the next 40 years of Moses' life was spent being somebody that God ordained a person prepared for the Lord. 40 years of training that seemed wasted, but it was not wasted. He knew the Egyptian culture, and now then he could communicate. 
in the Egyptian language. He could talk to Pharaoh in his own language. Now then, he had been prepared on the backside of the desert, learning a lot about surrendering to God and letting God be in control. And there, when he saw that bush on fire and was commissioned by God, his whole life turned around. His whole life changed. And he goes back into Egypt, and he goes back to Pharaoh and says, God said, let my people go. And you know the story how for the next 40 years of his life, he was somebody chosen by God, prepared by God to lead the people out of Egyptian bondage into the very borders of the land of promise. Though he didn't cross the river Jordan and go in himself, he led them for 40 years as a man of significance. God has his hand on your life. Someone in this room needs this message. Someone in my audience on television and radio needs this message. You need to know that all is not wasted. God has been preparing you for the rest of your life. And you just need to surrender to his will. Let him be the king and Lord of everything. And you will become a person of significance. God has need for a person just like you. Samuel was a person called by God and ordained by God to do God's purpose. Saul was out looking for his father's sheep, asses, quite a difference there. And he couldn't find those mules. He came to a place and he said, you know, I hear that there's a man of God in the city and he can tell us our way. We need a voice that can be termed a man of God, a woman of God. We need prayers, we need advice, we need counsel, we need direction. So he went in and he found Samuel. And in the city there was a man that could give him direction and tell him what was going to happen in his life. It all began early for Samuel. Samuel was a lad. His mother Hannah dedicated him to the Lord, brought him to Eli and said he can serve in the temple. One night when he went to bed, and uh, Eli was already asleep, and Samuel heard his name, Samuel. He got up and he went to Eli's bedside and said, Master, you call. No, I didn't call. Go back and lie down again. He went back and he lay down, and the second time he heard his name, Samuel. So he goes to Eli's side and said, Sir, you called. No, I didn't call. Go back and lie down again. The third time he heard his name, Samuel. This time he goes to Eli and said, I'm certain you called. No, I didn't call. Eli perceived that God was speaking. And he said, this time, if you hear that voice again, I'm going to tell you what to say. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. So he went and lay down again, and he heard his name, not one time, but two times. Samuel, Samuel. And he said, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. I want you to say that. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Come on, together. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Come on, one more time. Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. Make that a prayer today. Let that be something that you remember that on this day you ask God to speak to your heart and give you a new direction and turn your life around so that you can be a person prepared for the Lord. Well, he, one day, 
received a message from God that was heavy tidings. As he told Eli about the death of his sons that was imminent because of their lifestyle. They were very vulgar and immoral and crooked. And so soon Eli and his sons would pass from the scene of action. Samuel would be the seer. He would be the prophet. And Saul would make him his way to the area where Samuel was in the city. And in the city, there was a man could tell Saul the way which he could go. I believe that God has chosen you to be a person, to be a part of significant, the significance of Evangel Temple Church so that we can show people the way to go. I believe that God has his eye on Northeast Florida and Southeast Georgia. I believe that God has his hand upon the city of Jacksonville. And I believe that God has his hand upon Evangel Temple. There have been many prophecies to that effect. And today, God is preparing a people for the Lord. And we need to say, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. And God calls Moses, Moses. John, John. Samuel, Samuel. And God is calling you to be a person of significance. In this church, we advertise ourselves to be a house of mercy, a Bethesda place, a house of mercy, a welcome place for tired sinners, broken, hurting, wounded, bleeding, dying, people from every strata to come and find the peace of God. I am believing that God is going to raise up in this church ministries to ethnic uh, parts of our community, Koreans, Filipinos, Indians, Spanish people. I am asking God to give us a ministry in this church where we will have services and gatherings for people of ethnic origins and they will still be a part of this congregation and worship with us but then we will minister to them in special times and special places because of their ethnicity. And I believe that God is calling us to lay aside prejudices, to lay aside preconceived ideas, and be a people prepared by the Lord. And I know that everyone is not prepared for that. There is prejudice in our church against women having a prominent place of ministry. That is going to change. There's prejudice in our church about divorced people having places of leadership. That is going to change. There is prejudice in our church, whether it be against African Americans, or some other ethnic origins, that is going to change. I learned recently that a man came into this church and sat down with a guest that he had brought and someone came to him and said, that's my seat, I always sit there. And he had to get up and move. I learned that he came back the following Sunday, brought a guest, sat in another place, and another person told him, that's my seat, you'll have to move. If I ever learn of you doing that, 
I will bring your name to the official board and you will be dismissed from the membership of this church. We don't own a position of prominence in a place that other people would not be welcome to come and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're hurting, they're bleeding, they're dying, they need Jesus. I won't let that part make it on television. <laughs> we'll edit that out, but it needed to be said here. Amen. I look at these young people today. My, what a wealth we have. Their potentials are servants of the Lord, people prepared for the Lord. I see all over this congregation, people of every age and of every background, and I see potential, people prepared for the Lord. I want us to surrender to him. I want us to sing. Our musicians and singers come. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender. I surrender all.